the incomparable. Number 116, November 2012. Welcome back to the Incomparable Podcast. This is Jason Snell, and we are doing a podcast this week that you asked for it. You asked for it, especially if your name is, and I'm going to completely butcher this name, I feel like John Syracuse on Hypercritical, who butchers the names of everybody who sends him feedback. Prodan Statev is the name. Way to have an easy name, by the way. Uh, And it says, hey, Incomparables, I love your shows, and I choose books to read mainly based on your recommendations, which is awesome, which basically means Scott's recommendations. So good job, Scott McNulty, who joins me. Hi, Scott. You're welcome. I'm introducing you in the middle of Proton Stutter's uh, <laughs> mail, because why not? It's why not? why not? He's just a loyal listener. We might as well belittle him as much as possible. <laughs> Have you considered doing a show about how you read? Since a big portion of the episodes deal with books, it seems natural to have a show about your preferences, ebook or paperback, favorite time to read, style, etc. Thanks, and good luck. I like that. That's like, yeah, boy, if you actually listen to me, you are totally screwed. But here we are. We listen to you, and, uh, and that's the topic. And we'll talk also about what we're reading. Also joining me, in addition to Scott McNulty, who is the man who tells us what to read most of the time, are two men who are highly well-read. Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. I'm here to read books and chew bubblegum. I'm all out of bubblegum. All right. Well, then, books it is. And it turns out he hasn't seen it, but he has read it. It's Lex Friedman. Hi, Lex. Hi, Jason. I uh, I haven't seen it because I'm, I've been too busy reading. I, I Reading is fundamental. He, he read the it novelization is. of it. <laughs> right. I, yeah. That's good. I haven't seen the Star Wars, but I've read, I read, read the books. Star Wars. Some I of the have. books. It's close. It's the same. Really? Yes. <laughs> it's really exactly the same. But John Syracuse just had a minor stroke out there somewhere. <laughs> no, Jason, it's not the same. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good Syracuse, actually. I have been told that I sound just like him. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. There was a moment in the last week's podcast that was uh, one of those moments where he gets a little bit ranty and he's like, "No, it's not like that." It's like, oh, that's that is great. A pure John Syracuse. But anyway, John isn't here because he's a very slow reader. And so he didn't want to be on this podcast. He, he it's true. He 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 takes him time to read. So he reads these thousand page books, and it takes him like six months. I gave him a book to read about uh, nine months ago, and he assured me that he was nearing the one third mark. <laughs> He's working on it. He's, I'm working on it. He has never finished one of his own OS ten reviews. No, no. He I believe he writes faster than he reads. In fact, I know that is hard. Not hard to believe. It's, it is amazing. So, Proton Statev's uh, email. Uh, how do we read? I, I think I thought that was an interesting topic because I switched to a, a Kindle a couple of years ago. My last paper book was a Neil Stevenson book. It was uh, Anathem, which weighs about three pounds in hardcover. And I said, I'm never doing this again. And I got I got a Kindle, and I've actually been reading a whole lot more since then. I, I um. I'm a public transit commuter, and so I've got uh, about 45 minutes to an hour every morning and every evening on the bus. So when I got the Kindle, I switched my newspaper subscription to um, to the Kindle version, and I started buying books on the Kindle. And I, I didn't bring novels or things with me when I would um, when I would go on the bus. I just would be like, especially three pound hardcovers, right? So yeah, I'll just read this when I'm at home. And I ended up reading a whole lot more. Um, and buying a whole lot more, which I suspect is Amazon's entire ploy, right? <laughs> it's like, it's easy to buy things. And then I've got like 10 books that I haven't haven't actually read that I bought and that are sitting on my Kindle. But in, in general, it's really transformed how I read because I, I'm reading in places that I wouldn't have read before because I wouldn't have a book with me. But now I have my Kindle with me or I've got my iPhone and I can read the same book on my iPhone. And um, it's really changed uh, how I how I read books to the point where I've essentially stopped reading paper books entirely so that's that's sort of the overview of my story i'm, I'm curious how you guys uh how you guys read where you read and uh, how that's changed with the advent of some of this electronic stuff scott you are our lord and master when it comes to books uh, and i know you have every e-reader under the sun so you you're purely digital now right you don't read paper books you've got every e-reader ever well, uh, one might assume that, and ah. that, would, that would be a, a, a faulty assumption, sadly. <gasps> I know, it's shocking. Uh, I do love reading on my Kindle, and for all the reasons you listed, and uh, I do have 
more Kindles than any one person who really has no reason to have as many Kindles as I do should. Uh, although, I, to be fair to myself, since I am talking, uh, I do write uh, books about Kindles. So if anyone, buy them, buy them, uh, multiple copies. You could read uh, them on your Kindle. You could. Which defeats if one of my Kindle books was released only on the Kindle and nobody bought it because it was a book about how to use the Kindle. And if you <laughs> if you couldn't use your Kindle, it was you couldn't buy the book. Anyway, um, that was a, a an experiment that failed. So I do I do read a lot of books on my Kindle, but also I love actual physical books as well. And I am sitting in a room with probably I don't know twelve hundred books surrounding me. Uh, and they're, I, I, I'm going to be crushed under books. Uh, and on my desk, I have two tablets and a book from the library. Um, so I, I read in a variety of ways, uh, mostly because used books are so darn cheap. They're, they're far cheaper than, uh, like if you go into the back catalog, generally a used book is cheaper than a Kindle book. So I will buy a used book instead of a Kindle book. If uh, I care about saving money and also I can use my Amazon points to buy physical items, but not digital items. If I, Uh, if Amazon let me use points to buy Kindle books, I'd buy a lot more Kindle books. So when I was in Portland this summer, I went to Powell's bookstore, the city of books. It's a beautiful, amazing bookstore. And Mm -hmm. you've been there, Scott, right? I have. Since your wife is from Oregon. See, dropping the Scott McNulty knowledge. Ha! Oh, look at you. Um, and But that is such a great store. And they have used and new books together throughout the store. So you can sort of choose used or new. And I bought The Air Affair. Again, another Scott McNulty recommendation, right? It's a Jasper Ford. Yes. Um, it's Jasper Ford's first book in, in the, what is she, Thursday next? Sunday next? Friday Thursday. next? Thursday. Thursday next. Don't, not you. Friday next. Friday next is a different character. Oh, geez. It's true. So, so, um, and that was, I, I actually was in Pals, and Pals has, uh, has Wi Fi. Uh, they actually have an app that gives you a map of the store and lets you do point to point directions if you don't know where you are because it's a huge store. Um, but I looked up what the cost of the ebook was, and the, 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 the used book was cheaper. So I bought it. And it was weird reading paper books again, but it was a better deal. There, there's no doubt about it. And then the library, Right is the best deal of all because those books sure. are free. It is it is uh, communism, but uh, <laughs> if you if you can get over that, it's it's a good deal. Yeah, it's a good deal. But they want them back. That's the problem. You have they to do commit to reading them in a you window. Do. That's always. I read um, the second Patrick Rothfuss book, which we did a podcast about the the Wise Man's Fear. That was a, a library book, and I read it f- under pressure. Because I knew that it was due, and I had to get it back, and oh. it was a thousand pages, and it was due. Gotcha. And it's it, good it's, to have a deadline. So it's free, but yeah, but it was a de- book under a deadline. It's true. That's, that helps. That helps me read faster. That's true. And I have the good fortune of working at a university, so if I, which also has a gigantic library, and if I take a book out there, I can keep it out for like five months. So, uh, mm. so my wife works at the library, so I actually could probably have kept the book out forever. But it, it it was supposedly due in a couple of weeks, and I felt a lot of pressure. Also, it was very heavy, so I only read it in bed because I didn't take it with me on the bus because it was too heavy. Which gets me back to my original Kindle point, which is Kindle is just so damn convenient. Dan, how are you? How are you reading? What what are you? Uh, One word at a time, Jason. Hmm. One word at a time. That's good advice. You were you were just saving that up. I yeah, I've been like like ten minutes now waiting to say that. But Scott <laughs> Scott was talking unusually a lot. <laughs> I know this is this is going to be Scott's highest talking. He's strung a bunch of words together. That's good. Well, we're talking That's about what? books and and ebooks too. I mean, th- yes. this is like catnip for Scott. We're writing his balawick here. That's right. Well. I, I mean, I grew up as a uh, uh, in a house full of librarians. It was strange. I don't know what they were all doing there. Um, they kind of yeah. like beat like, at you a little bit, little bit like hobos, <laughs> um, but they're very well read hobos. So it's it's you know you do what you can. Um, I don't know. I I I have I have a Kindle which I acquired last year, I think, and um, several iPads. Um, and yet, I think I probably still read most of my books in in flesh and blood or pulp mm. and binding i guess um and i and i think a lot of it is intangible reasons i'm just kind of loath to part with that in the same way that i think there are lots of people uh, the people who who continually tell us how much they love lps um over mp3s i think i'm i think i'm that person for books 
which is to say it's not that I won't. I know. I hate those people. I hate myself, too, a little bit. But I I just, I don't know. There's something about the the book as a medium that I really enjoy. Um, I still have an easier time. It's not so much the, the, like, physical act of reading, but something there's something mental going on where I don't retain stuff as well. And I think it has to do with the way I process when I read stuff because I often jump back and reread like i'm reading like a paragraph and then i'll jump back to the top of that paragraph and read it again i don't know why it's just the way my brain works um but i find it harder to do some of those things on the kindle because i have to like flip back a page and then it becomes conscious instead of sort of unconscious um and that to me is is takes me out of the experience of reading a lot of times um and so i think i find that that a little difficult um and I don't, I don't know. I, I like the convenience factor a lot, and I like the e-ink screen. I've had a much better time. I've written, I've read a couple books on the iPad too, um, and that I think is that might be my least favorite of the uh, of the mediums. Yeah, we'll talk. I think we'll probably talk about that more. But yeah, I agree. The, there, there's something about e-ink, and some people are like, "Why would you even have a Kindle?" But e-ink, it's better. It's different. It, it oh, is. Yeah. It is different from a from a, a, a computer screen or an iPad or an iPhone screen. And I, and I think beyond the, the physicality and just the innate nature of it, there's there are some principal issues at stake here, which is to say, for one thing, I don't really, not a really fan of the way that eBooks work in terms of their, we're, we're in a period right now that's kind of like, you know, the pre-DRM free music where everything's locked down, everything's sold on its individual stores. And sure, Kindle's, you know, Amazon's great about letting you take your Kindle books and put it on your iPad or your iPhone. Um, but the idea of having a book that I can't readily lend to my friend um, is kind of a turnoff, you know. And the idea just in principle of DRM on a book is not one that I really, I really like because this thing where, you know, I don't really own my books, and, and to a certain extent, you yeah. know, if, if Amazon desi- decided they could revoke all of my all of my books, um, and that that makes me a little wary of of paying for things. And you know, I think I have on a, a couple of occasions now used the library to borrow an ebook, um, which is nice, but insanely complicated, and the rights there are even right. worse. I've I've done that. And, uh, and I, you know, I've been pretty happy with it, but it's not easy to use because you've got to go to the library website and then it sort of channels you through to the Amazon website. Or and to, yeah, or I mean, overdrive. if you're, I overdrive if yeah. you're using an iPad and overdrive is terrible. It's terrible. Yes. My um, wife works at the I, library. She yeah. has told me de- in detail how terrible overdrive yeah, is. like you, I have, I mean, my, my parents both left their librarian careers before ebooks really uh, became popular, but I have, uh, one cousin who's a librarian at a, uh, elementary school and she is very she loves technology and she's really technologically savvy and then she talks about you know listening to audiobooks on audible or or getting ebooks from overdrive and she's just like it's so bad yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's not um you know like i said my wife my wife does that too and there, there's actually a great um there's a great piece out there that i'll put in the show notes that is uh, written by a librarian that basically says, "Sorry, ebooks, but I'm breaking up with you." And it's an extended metaphor about breaking up with a bad boyfriend who seems cool and happening and with it, but in the end is really just kind of unreliable and self-centered and not worth the trouble. <laughs> and that's yeah. that's ebooks for for libraries, and it's too bad. I mean, I mean, if ebooks, if if all you want to do is buy books, um, just you know, like purchase them from Amazon or Apple. Uh, or you know Barnes and Noble or what have you, then then ebooks might work out. Um, but I think the lack of flexibility and and freedom, and I think the idea that sort of innate idea of freedom is something that's very much at the heart of printing and books is the you know freely exchange free exchange of ideas. Um, and to me, that I think that from a from a surely principle standpoint, I there are a lot of things I don't like about ebook, but also just from a practical standpoint, there are things that frustrate me. I think that's uh, I mean I think that you're right that uh, the form factor of the book makes it super easy to share and uh you know distribute it uh companies hate that <laughs> the, yeah the publishing companies loathe it and they love the fact <laughs> that they can sell uh you know individual licenses for ebooks and through libraries they can say okay we'll give you you know because it, it, it boggles my mind that i can check out an ebook from the library and it is actually checked it's out. Like copy, they can only right? yeah. send they can only like have one copy, one copy, or three or, or whatever. whatever. Yeah. They However buy each copy, and then that license only lasts a year, right. and then they and have they to have pay to again. 
And in fact, there was just a thing the other day to make this a little bit more topical that about Penguin renewing, you know, its deal with libraries. And this becomes scarier when in light of the Penguin Random House merger, which will make it a gigantic publisher pretty soon, you know, you run into the issue of, you know, they've got big sticks, right? Because they're giant mm-hmm. publishers. And, you know, to a certain extent, you start to lose competition in that realm. And they're really not, there's no advantage for them to relax that kind of stuff right now. Um, because you know there's no there's no competition there's nobody undercutting them yeah also they missed a real opportunity to call themselves a random penguin it's true that was a a key mistake yeah shame on them but it it is it's not uh it's not a good deal and they're they're claiming that it's uh oh well you know the libraries have to replace the books after a certain number of reads yeah but the books don't expire after a year (laughs) yeah they don't just disappear automatically yeah it's not like the book the actual physical books like catch on fire you know (laughs) (laughs) although if the publishing companies could figure out how to do that (laughs) oh they they probably would sure yeah because let me tell you starting a fire in the middle of the library is a great idea (laughs) what they have to buy all those books again there's a comment in the chat room which is that ebooks should be cheaper because uh, they don't have to be manufactured or shipped now the fact is that you know, you do need to pay the authors, and the cre- the most important value in the cost of any book is the fact that it's been written and edited by professional people. Um, mm. That that all said, um, they will the be tr- replaced by computers. The, the truth is, the value of a, a book <laughs> is partially that you can loan it to somebody, or sell it to somebody, or give it away. And eBooks can't you can't do that unless you use you know. DRM stripping plugins, which are widely available if you Google or you, them. Or, I mean, you can do some <laughs> lending through Amazon, but it's very Once limited. For one, a week. one time for some books. Yeah. Right, exactly. But now, I think one of the issues is, it's not just that they, I mean, if if the book is also printed, if it's not just an ebook, then they still have to pay for all the expensive printing costs, whether you buy that printed book or not. Like, that's where the real cost is for the publishing industry right now, is still in printing right. these things, because they never really got the process that cheap. Um. And uh, so, I mean, when you see ebook only ebooks, I find that those are not always, but are generally cheaper than their their books that are both available in both formats. But if you want to see like the three and four dollar book, and I think the, the writers end up getting paid very similar to how they would have gotten paid if it was a twelve, fifteen, or twenty dollar book. It's got to be the ones that don't have a paper counterpart. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right because they they're also worried about the economic effects that if they make the ebook that much cheaper than the paper book, then nobody will buy the paper book, and they don't want that. I would really like to see them take a step like the uh, some of the Blu-rays have been doing and include an ebook with the book. Yeah, the digital copy. Yeah, yeah I want that very much. I want I want Amazon to do that for books I've bought from them before. Oh, wouldn't that be uh, wouldn't that be great if Amazon said every book every paper book you buy from I book, us I book match we throw we throw in your books for free. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be that you would can't be great. Access them, but they're, they're well, in, in some that. cases they have it. When I bought and I know we talked about this, I think maybe a little bit at the time, but when I bought the uh, Lois McMaster Bujold's copy of Cryoburn last mm-hmm. two years ago, I guess it came with a CD that had all, all of the books except in for memory, form, except for memory, <laughs> which was unfortunate because that's my favorite one. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's still, that, that was pretty cool, right? It for six exactly, bucks. exactly. And you can buy it. And, you know, I think it's worth, you know, giving a, a call out to both Bain, the publisher there, and Tor, which has also recently dropped DRM from its ebooks. Um, it's unsurprising in me to a certain extent that the science fiction, you know, presses are at the forefront of this kind of thing because they are full of nerds, presumably, who understand that right. things like DRM don't work. Right. Uh, somebody <laughs> on the, in the chat room said, what about the giant libraries we already have? Now, so as, as somebody married to a librarian, uh, what I'll say is, you know, libraries are great because not everybody has an e-book reader. Maybe someday they will. And because there are all of these issues where the digital books aren't as freely lendable as the ebooks, I mean, the ebooks are are just not as freely lendable as paper books are, and, and that's just the, the the fact right now. And also because uh, libraries are great for things like um, helping you find books to read and recommending things for you. And I'll tell you, talking to a human librarian and telling them what books you like will get you way better results than Amazon's uh, recommended for you. That's right. true. And and if you just think of a library as a building in which you store books, I think you're really, really undervaluing <laughs> what a library is, right? It's about the librarians. It's a, it's a community space for uh, people to gather. It's about dissemination of knowledge. It's not just a right. warehouse. People get on the internet there now, too. That's one of the things that the library <laughs> is for. Or, rent, or I, I usually get DVDs from the library. Yeah. People get music and audiobooks. Audiobooks. And comic books. Yeah. Um, lots of good stuff. 
I'm I'm wholly again as the, the son of two librarians. I'm wholly pro library. You're a child of the library, Dan. I am. I grew up. I could I could read Dewey Decimal before I could actually read. Wow, that's a lie. Wow. Lex, what are you, what are you reading, and how are you reading? We haven't gotten to you yet. It's it's it was funny because you mentioned Jason the last paper book you read. I I am almost exclusively ebook unless I can't find the book uh, in ebook format or if it's more if it's pricier than the the paper book I will if it's pricier than the ebook I'll buy the let me try that one more time if the yeah. ebook costs more than the paper book I I tend to get the paper book uh-huh. this, I, the last paper book I read was the city and the city on this podcast's recommendation um, I had to get that from the library because it wasn't available at least at that time in ebook format uh, and I re- realized how much I really strongly as you said Jason prefer reading ebooks instead because i for me it's the portability it's the fact that the book is always with me the problem is i don't feel like i have a lot of time to read i don't have a commute you know i walk from the kitchen into the office and then i'm at work you read um, some haikus along the way but that's about right it. so i uh I, I do almost all of my reading in between the time i get in bed and the time i fall asleep uh i had a kindle 2 was my first kindle and i really liked it and then the ipad came out and i started reading on the ipad instead uh as scott screams angrily um, and I abandoned the Kindle entirely. Then we went Gosh. on a vacation, uh, a cruise where I had, I took my iPad and Laura and my wife took my old Kindle and I was jealous of her reading on the Kindle when we were reading uh, at the same time. And I decided I have to go back to using the Kindle. And then eventually I got the, the Kindle three keyboard. I don't know what they call it now, but the Kindle, the black Kindle, it's got the keyboard and I have the, the fancy case for it with the built-in light that's inside the case that you can use as a book light. And now I do almost all of my reading on that and some on the iPad mini, which I find is much better for reading than the original iPad was despite, or despite the lack of retina display, that form factor is clearly way better for reading. Um, but I do almost all of it, like I said, in bed before I fall asleep. And, uh, I, I don't miss books. I like that these books are, you know, very, very, I don't miss paper books. I like that these are, are portable and light and especially that they're always with me because, uh, you know, if I want to be able to read, Uh, at some moment of downtime, whatever device I have with me, whether it's my Mac or iPad or iPhone, I can get back into the book. And, uh, that's very helpful for me so that it doesn't take me six months to read, you know, Syracuse style to finish reading the books that I'm after. You know, I, uh, I read the city in the city, um, because it was up for Hugo award. I got the, um, they sent out a packet to all the voters, which it's a great deal. You pay 50 bucks and you get every nominated work and it includes comics and novels and short stories and it's a great deal. Anybody who likes sci-fi stuff should uh, sign up to be a Hugo voter because not only can – when you're done, can you say, this sucked. I – this is – you know, <laughs> feed was terrible. I voted last, right? You could do that. But it's a great deal because you get all of these works in digital format. But The City and the City, what I got, it was a PDF. It wasn't an ebook. It was It was a PDF of the hardcover and I read that on my iPad. And that was actually a really nice experience. And it's one of the, if I have a complaint about the ebooks right now, it's that I still think that the typography isn't as good as it could be and that the books aren't pretty enough. That the, the, an e ink, especially, I think that if you're looking at a PDF or even something on a Retina iPad, it's a little bit different. Uh, they're, they're, they're light. Uh, the, you know, the ebook readers are light, but the, the font selections aren't great and the screens aren't high res enough for it to, to be quite as pleasant and the city in the city that i read was you know they picked a typeface and they had somebody at the publishing house looking at every line to see if the hyphenations were good and the you know mm-hmm. and, and and it was that all the detail work that goes into a print edition and the ebook edition is kind of an export from microsoft word right it's it's funny you mentioned that because you know one recently amazon updated the kindle app at least for ios so that it can use the publisher supplied font instead of you know having all of your books be in one of the same four fonts or yeah. I, I, that amazon's app uses yeah. um on the e in kindle uh where you don't even get that option most of the time i tend to tweak the font size in between books because otherwise I found that my brain, especially if I was reading similar genre books back to back, I like found my brain book. was muddling details. But if I just tweak the font size or do something so that it's it's a little bit different looking, that that helped me a lot with not getting confused. Right. That's good. And, and the most recent update to the e Kindle adds a few fonts as well. 
and publishers can set the fonts, which I find annoying because they always pick awful fonts for some reason. <laughs> it's like nobody in the publishing industry has a Kindle. They're like, eh, right. that's, that's why comic fonts exist. People pick the ugly fonts. Having just read, uh, and and Dan and Scott, I think you've read this too. Is the the um, Captain Vorpetil's Alliance, the the Lois McMaster Bujil book, the latest Forkosigan book, and mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in a future episode. But what infuriated me about it is that it was. Um, the Kindle version was locked to like uh, Helvetica. <laughs> yes, it's like, oh, that- it was awful. You know, it. To be fair, my copy was my copy was also locked to a single font, but <laughs> it's on paper. Well, that's <laughs> it true. Was a little bit easier to. Yeah, I mean, but it was also a little but, bit easier. I mean, they they spend much more time, I think, right. picking out the fonts for a for a. Although once I read a book in sans serif and i was like this is this is the most awful thing i've ever it's read. not good it's it's really unpleasant it really well, isn't and we know you know we know somebody and i'm speaking of of serenity caldwell who isn't isn't here tonight but i mean she for her day job works on ebooks and has a great deal of pride in the quality of her workmanship but i get the distinct impression in reading many of these ebooks that that is not no. always the strongest yeah. A focus of a publisher they have the intern do it or something like that i don't, I don't know what they're going it's it, publishing the publishing industry is very confusing to me it's an afterthought and, and it's sad because ebooks should be i mean they should be something cool like it seems like you probably don't need to spend that much time on it i mean yes there is time to be spent on it there's time in in, in investing in people who can learn everything they need to know so they have the expertise to produce a beautiful ebook um, but it seems like in a in a industry where they spend so much lavish so much attention on these on print books, it, it seems like you know having someone to oversee your ebooks at least, little who cares about it, is not that much of an investment given on your potential returns. Yeah, I mean they must just feel that it doesn't matter that people are just going to read them and they're going to accept the the yeah. quality level. And maybe that's maybe that's true. Also, they may be concerned that. If the ebooks get too good, you know, then it's going to be, you know, honestly, I, they just figure, well, it's computers, right? You just export it and it'll be fine. And exactly. and and uh, it's unfortunate because some uh, ebook quality really varies. I mean, I've seen really good ebooks. There are ebooks where they um, do custom fonts, although actually on the Kindle that's usually really bad because the custom fonts show up at, like all smudged and weird and bad. Um, but there are, there are other ones that are, as somebody in the chat room just pointed out, you know, older catalog titles often are just OCR'd mm-hmm. from the, where they literally have just scanned the text oh, yeah. out of the so, book. So there's errors. <laughs> and there, and there are horrible, horrible just, errors. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think it's the, the publishing, the book publishing industry is generally not one to rush to embrace technology. Uh, and so point. I think. They are. It took them years to get off scrolls. <laughs> it, it's it, it is true. Papyrus. So I think they are. I think there are two things, right? They they are frightened by technology, and they don't think of themselves as technologists, even though I would argue that the book is a piece of technology. But that's a, another discussion. And so, and they they are kind of they see themselves as a defender, like the book designers see themselves as a defender of the physical artifact because they feel like the digital tools are so immature that they shouldn't waste their time on it. So they just, you know, push a button and output whatever crap they get and they lavish all their time on making a beautiful print book and then you get the ebook and it's a it's a piece of crap. Uh, and there's also been much more time. I mean, obviously, they've spent a long time perfecting that art of making a physical book, right? Right, you 500 know, uh, years. That, yeah, so there, there <laughs> was, so we don't have that luxury for ebooks yet in terms of, we, you know, people have not yet figured out or spent the time on it. But that said, there's probably a lot less work that goes into that than, than making a physical <laughs> object, right? Yeah. Um, it seems like you could bring it up to like 80%, you know, <laughs> and, and that would be a pretty big improvement. Yeah. What's funny is that the um, some of the sci-fi publishers, and I feel like with the sci-fi publishers, they're very much in the same level as the um, computer magazines are for the magazine industry, where their 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 audience is ahead of the trend, but that's where the trend is going. And a lot of those sci-fi publishers, like you said, Dan, um, are now selling their eBooks directly from their website, DRM free, 
and they get more money because they don't have to cut in Amazon or Apple for a, a portion of the proceeds, and they can do interesting sales and bundles and things like that, which are, are pretty cool. And I get the impression that they're spending at least a little bit more time focused on their ebook ebook right. version. Now that said, having seen the covers of all of the uh, Lois McMaster Bouchold books, yeah, covers of pretty much anything in science fiction and fantasy. Unfortunately, yeah, you could you could argue well, not all, but many. No, you but could, you a could lot. argue the stereotypical and, and, at least. And Bane covers particularly yes, are, are right. pretty awful. <laughs> so maybe they're spending more time now in the ebooks, and they they can spend less time. I, I actually feel glad that I don't see the covers of those books on my Kindle. <laughs> just just the text. I just judge them by the text. Don't judge a book by its cover. Because it's yeah, probably you, a bad cover. See, I hate when you open up the Kindle book and it they try to put you to what some algorithm has decided is going to be the first page of the text because I want to see the cover of the book I'm reading. So then I have to scroll. Or at least yeah, the, the publisher right? chooses that. And it infuriates me too, Lex, because there are often like uh, dedications and forewords and, yeah, and, and right. other... Sometimes no- they'll skip <laughs> intros. Yeah. Like, that's, that's yeah. You don't need any of that crap. <laughs> this is nonsense. Chapter one, cut to the chase, people. Right. And Shatter. media res. If you really wanted to read a book, you'd buy the physical copy. So they know that <laughs> ebook readers just want to get right <laughs> to the dilettantes. Well, so the problem, Jason, you know, about that, uh, the fact that those guys are selling their their books independently, the issue I, I run into with something like Bain especially is the workflow is terrible, right? It's the same problem we're talking about a little bit oh, with yeah. libraries where it's just like, great, now you've bought that ebook and you have it in a file on your computer you probably (laughs) do not want to read it on your computer or even have software on your computer computer. that can read it well amazon by default if you send it if you send a book to your kindle if you know your kindle email address it will i think add it to your document library unless you turn that feature off it will Oh, if if only we had somebody here who had written a book about I Kindles. Say, I know I know a couple of books you could read. And <laughs> Amazon also has a little uh, send to Kindle app that you can install on Windows or Mac, and you can it does some cool things. But you can also just drag a file onto it, and it will send to your uh, Kindle. You can also print web pages and things to your Kindle, which is kind of neat. Um, oh, tell but, me more. But I, but I would argue a lot of this is is ancillary, and a lot of people who own Kindles don't even know, like, right? Because they right. buy stuff from Amazon. They should. They, buy should, my they book. should read Scott's book. They really should. Yeah, yeah. But if you do get to that point, you can do it. But you're right; it's it's a mess. With Amazon, you just press the button, and it's on your Kindle, and that's a lot easier than. Although, again, they're they're assuming that their readers are a little bit more technically adept and they get the zip file and inside is or actually they don't even do that they say like download the kindle format and it gives you a file and there may even be a readme in there to say here's where you attach your kindle via usb and right. drag it into the documents folder <laughs> or email and at this it point i've walked out and bought the actual yeah. book and, <laughs> and so you've bought it twice and they win <laughs> yeah yeah Damn it's too it. remember scott's kindle book is available wherever kindle books are sold that's right so amazon <laughs> Right. right. You, you cannot buy it at Barnes & Noble. To, to go back a little bit to, uh, to reading habits, um, I find that, like Lex, I, I run into the problem of not having a commute. When I, when I used to have – God, it's been a really long time since I had a commute. Yeah. Um, but when I used to have a commute that required me to you know, be on public transportation for an hour or so, you know, that was great because it was reading time. And I find that now, uh, like Lex, I, I usually end up reading you know, getting sometime between getting in bed and falling asleep. Um, and then occasionally, you know, on the weekend or something, if I've got a couple hours and, and I, I might sit down and, and read a little bit. But I find that it really, you know, I, as someone who has been a very fast reader for a long time, I find that it's not so much that I don't read fast, but that my bandwidth the amount of time available to actually consume that is has lessened, which is unfortunate, yeah. I think. So I don't know. Maybe I need to. That that is the advantage of ebooks, for example, is that right. I could go while I'm you know in line at the grocery store. I'm worried I wouldn't get. I, I, I would get engrossed. I would totally forget yeah. that I was paying for something. <laughs> sir, sir. <laughs> now, let me just finish this chapter. Is he got a page left? Although I did find um, briefly that um, for a while uh, I was taking my Kindle to the gym and I would like get on the bike or the elliptical machine or something and just prop it up there and and read. Um, and I actually found I got through a, a fair amount of book that way. Um, you know, and if I go work out for 45 minutes or something like that, and um, that's, a, that's a decent chunk of reading. I do find that I reread sections a lot more than I would in a, in a paper book because, because of that reading in line. Like I, I do get engrossed, but then, you know, when, they're, when it's time to pay or when it's time to look at what your kids are doing again. Um, <laughs> I, to your uh, children. You know, I just I, I, I train myself to rip my eyes away, but then you have to go back and figure out where you were and get back into the context of things. So I, I, it's, I think it probably 
dollar for dollar, minute by minute, I spend a little bit more time reading ebooks because I more frequently have to backtrack because of finding any, using any spare minute where I can to try to get further along. I would like someone to invent, and I'm throwing this out there, if someone could invent a way to sync my progress between my paper book and my (laughs) ebook, that would be awesome because I would, I would. Well, Amazon does do real page numbers. That's true. Yeah, I guess. It's it's not the same. Problem solved. I need a little device <laughs> that's a bookmark, and then I put it in, and it scans the page. I don't actually know how this works. Kickstarter. Oh, RFID. I, I don't know. I just say that. RFID. <laughs> yep. it, it fixes pretty much everything when you think That would it. be kind of incredible. If you, could, if you could find a way to kickstart it, Dan, I will contribute $10. Oh, and, and the beauty of Kickstarter is you don't actually have to know how to do it or That's ever right. actually do it. You could just put it up there. I'm, Dan, I owe you $10. <laughs> That's right. So, so um, I've been I've been reading. I've read some books on the on the iPad, and I, I've read a lot of books on Kindles. Uh, and and the reason is the, yeah the e ink screen. There's less glare. Uh, there's just something kind of nicer about it. It feels a little more natural. Less like there's light shining in your eyes the whole time. Um, and I've I've read some stuff on my iPhone, but mostly if I'm trapped in a car, or, you know, somewhere, and I don't have anything but my iPhone, and I I, I just can't escape, and I want to read, and I, my books are there. Um, I got the new Kindle Paperwhite, which is um, it, it's not bad, it's not great, but it's not bad, and it lights itself. You don't need a like light contraption, um, although it does make it feel a little more like I'm reading an iPad at that point because the light is emanating from the device. It's not quite the same, but it's close. And then I have a, I have an iPad Mini. And it might be the closest I think that Apple's come to make something that's a suitable book reader. Um, yeah, it's because mm-hmm. it's so because it's so small and light. And you know, I've, I've read some stuff on the Kindle app on it, and it's not bad. It's 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 um, it's the best. It's better than the big iPad because the big iPad's too heavy, and it's better the than the iPhone, which is just too small. Yeah, I just I can't get into reading on a backlit display. Uh, there's just something about it that angers me for no apparent reason. And also. Yeah. I, I do have a commute, not a long commute, like a 15-minute commute, uh, and I just feel like I am sticking out if I am reading on like a glowing display. It just makes me self-conscious and that someone's going to steal whatever it is I am <laughs> reading from. Yeah. That could just be me, though. Don't like get a glow-in-the-dark book, paper <laughs> book, and see what happens. Before Thanks. I had the iPad in my hand, I was worried about what it would be like to read on a backlit screen, but... In practice, it's it has not bothered me. I enjoy the reading on the Kindle experience more, but I, I I'm not unhappy reading on the iPad. No, and if I if I had to read on the iPad, I could. I read a, a whole book on the Galaxy Nexus, uh, and it wasn't awful. That I couldn't do. <laughs> well, it was it's fine. It's it it is light. It's a good size. It's just um, yeah. The Kindle app on Android isn't isn't very good. Um, the Google Play books is better. Yeah, it was it was a Google Play book because yeah. um, I'd never I wanted to see what the whole Google experience was like because I'd never typography on ebook readers. I mean, especially on those um, you know Android or iPad kind of readers, it's a big deal. I mean, if you do typography well, if you have good fonts, if you um, something Amazon doesn't let you do, it'll things like turn off uh, justification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you know, it can make a big difference. I mean, if if you've got a nice high-resolution screen and good typography, it can be a good experience. And if you have, like the iPad mini doesn't have a great high-res screen, but it's got some, you know, the Amazon app and the iBooks have some good font choices and it looks, the type looks good. And on the Nexus 7, the Google Play Books app looks good. And it it's okay in that scenario. But, you know, just like with the, the e-ink readers, uh, you know, it could be be the typography could be better, and it does make a difference. And books, books, people have that. You know, the publishers care. Really, bottom line is the publishers care about what their books look like, and a lot of publishers don't care what the ebooks look like, and a lot of the ebook vendors don't care what the ebooks look like. And so, you know, even if they're very convenient, you're you're taking a step down in terms of sort of the experience and the quality of it to get the convenience back. Damn them. Well, ah. thank God we've we've been here to tell the publishers their business. Yeah, yeah. right. I'm sure Pick they'll that. ship up. Yeah. Problem solved. Charge charge less and do more work on your product. Yeah, <laughs> that'll, work, that'll go well. <laughs> or else yeah. I'll stop buying Kindles. Actually, they may like that. It's never going to happen, Scott. No. Well, also, then, would that really hurt them that much? I was going to say the publishers would probably like that because they hate Yay. Amazon as well. So <laughs> more papers. Oops. 
Backfire. All right, let's let's uh, let's shift gears and talk about what we're reading. This is sort of a grab bag of sort. What I like to do whenever we're talking about books is mm-hmm. is what we've been reading, and uh, that's good for the listeners too because we can either steer them away from things they shouldn't read or recommend things that uh, that are are cool that we're reading. So. I'd like to ask the musical question, what are you reading? And I'd like to start with Lex, since he seems so excited about telling us what he's reading. <laughs> Lex, what are you reading? I should say, Lex, by the way, um, one of the last paper books that I bought most recently on Amazon was The Kid in the Crib by <laughs> Lex Friedman, because it really needs to be seen in paper, because it's a, a parody of The Cat in the Hat, and you need to see the illustrations that go along with it. Well, uh, thank you for buying it. Um and it, I was, you know, for a while it did not have a Kindle edition. Although during this podcast recording session, I saw that now the Kindle edition is out. And that's, that's, that's the power of the incomparable Lex. You're, you're welcome, but, Lex. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. The, the two most recent books I read, uh, one fiction, one non. Uh, fiction was The 100-Year-Old Man Who Climbed Out the Window and Disappeared, uh, which wow. is... It's, uh, it was an international publishing sensation, Amazon told me, so I had to get it. It, had, it sold more than two million copies, and it's basically uh, it's a Forrest Gumpian-style story in terms of a, a man who somewhat unknowingly goes through life affecting many, many things. Forrest Gumpian is good. That's, I haven't heard that one before. It's, uh, it's translated from Swedish. I did not read it in the original Swedish uh, for ver- a variety of reasons. One, because that's not how the Kindle book came, and two, because I don't speak Swedish. But it was very good. It's you know, it's it's funny, and, and it felt a little bit long, uh, even though it's not so incredibly long. It felt a little bit long, but it's it's a very entertaining read, and I enjoyed it. And then the other book that I just finished yesterday, and I was sad and almost crushed to be finishing it because of how enjoyable a read it was. I want to make sure I get the title right. Uh, it was Penn Jillette's new book, Every Day is an Atheist Holiday. What's it about? What's it about? <laughs> Uh, well, Penn, of course, is is the taller, louder half of Penn and Teller, uh, more than half by volume, and yes. he uh, or words spoken, right? Um, he had a book called God Know, maybe a year or so ago. That was uh, sort of his take on the uh, atheism diatribe book series that writers keep putting out right the richard uh, dawkins genre right. he, he acknowledging that his version wasn't you know a dawkins or sam harris-esque but rather silly or stupider um but it was it was a good read this one is the sequel here uh, every day is an atheist holiday is even better the the initial point is um his argument is that you know he focuses mostly on Christianity, but saying, you know, if you're, if you're waiting to feel mirthful and merry because it's Christmas or Easter, then you're missing out. Because for me, since I don't have any specific calendar events to wait for, I can celebrate and enjoy life every day. God, that sounds insufferable. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, well, he doesn't have, he doesn't, he doesn't have gift giving holidays every day, but it's actually, it's very moving. There are some essays that are very powerful in there. He's got an incredibly well-written essay about Martin Luther King um, related to MLK day. Um, and, uh, but it's, it's just, it's very smart. It's very funny. It's laugh out loud funny. And it's, re- I mean, I read a lot of funny writers because that's something that I really enjoy. Uh, but usually when I'm reading a funny writer, I might smile or just enjoy it mentally, but there were actual laugh out loud moments where I had to read passages to my wife and, uh, it's, but were it just funny, uh, it wouldn't necessarily be worth endorsing here, but it's funny. And it's also, I think, very insightful, uh, very profane. I mean, very profane, terribly profane. Don't read it, but it's really good, <laughs> really good and really entertaining and uh, thought provoking. So the, the atheist holiday thing is really more kind of a motif that he uses than exactly. to write about various subjects that are exactly right. All right. He does. Yeah. It's the, the whole thing is not saying here's different holidays. You can tell <laughs> I can as make atheist, my own holidays. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's, it's Suckers. really like, it's, it's, it's good enough that I am considering probably sometime in the next month or two going back and reading it once more because I really enjoyed the experience that much. And I, I, I mean, I reread books, but I never reread them that quickly. Lex, this book sounds like an excellent holiday gift. Yes. For, for the non-believer <laughs> in your life. For, you know, your average Tuesday. It's a sock stuffer. It's an everyday gift. Pendulette book giving day. (laughs) Took the words right out of my mouth, Dan. Exactly right. (laughs) It's a new holiday. It's never never too soon to start a new holiday. Yeah, I agree. I I wouldn't tell you it was really good if it weren't. Dan? Yes? What are you reading? 
Um, well, like, I think, I guess you guys have both finished it, but I am still in the midst of reading Captain Vorpetril's Alliance by Lois McMaster Bujold, which I am finding delightful. Yes. Um, we'll talk and, about it on a future podcast. Yes, we will. I, and, yeah, especially because I haven't finished it. Yet. Yes. Um, but, but it's interesting because Lex was talking about the, you know, laughing out loud and I found myself laughing out loud several times oh, during man. this book, which is me also too. unusual for me. I will, I will excerpt my favorite line from the entire book, which is unhand Lady Vorpetril. <laughs> Um, which comes at a good point there. I really like that. I think the line of the book is, what the hell, Simon? But <laughs> all right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've been reading that. And, of course, I've, I've been a huge Bujold fan. I've been reading her books for 10 years now. Um, and and I always always nice to get a chance to have a new book by one of your favorite authors. I, I did the counting, and this is like the 14th or 15th book in the series, depending on whether you – Throw in falling free and Ethan of Athos and all that, but yeah. it, it's it shows the power without stealing from the next podcast. It shows the power of having familiar characters in a familiar universe, and that you can have perhaps even a thin kind of plot, and it doesn't really matter because there's this uh, accretive power of uh, all the backstory that you know you could never read it as a as a new reader, but there is some great power in being able to check in with characters. It's the same power that Star Star Trek and Star Wars tap into and and Marvel comics and DC comics where, you know, there's this extra value of just well, seeing these people again, yeah. right? And and saying, Oh yeah, I remember when he was born, right? Because yeah, right. you know, in the first book he he was born. <laughs> and now he's the main character in his own book. They grow up so fast. Yeah. So there's a there's a there's definitely a saga going there. Yeah. Um and I so I've enjoyed that quite a bit. Right before that, I read a book called The Last Dragon Slayer, which is Jasper Ford, who we've also discussed and may discuss on a future podcast. Yes, may. Which is kind of a YA fantasy book um, that takes place in um, something that's very much like England, but isn't England. Um, and that was fun. Um, it's it's a fairly quick read. I read that one on my Kindle. He writes things that aren't Thursday next then. Yes, he's written several yeah. things that ah. are not first. He has a whole uh, series about nursery crimes. Yes, I read both of those. Yeah. Uh, I think there were only two because in the end it did not do very well. Oh, I thought there were three. Um, but, uh, two is not a series. Three is a series. Well, I <laughs> misspoke. Or at least a trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> I only see. I think I only see two on my shelf. Duology. So. If they're really exciting, I call them a trilogy. Oh. <laughs> There was no third, apparently. So it was a dology. Oh, take that, Jasper Ford! No, oh, that's so sad. <laughs> it's just sad. Jasper um, Ford, my favorite. Um, he was mentioned on our first podcast, and it yeah. made me laugh and laugh because Scott spelled his name, and I thought I had it down right. And he said, "No, no, it's F." Okay, got it. F. Okay, I didn't get it. O R D. I'm like, all right, I got it. E. No. <laughs> it's uh, sorry. Believe it's correctly pronounced. Jasper for forty. For forty. Yeah. Yes. That's better. Um, much better. And then before that, I think I read um, uh, the fourth, if not possibly final book in Terry Pratchett's series about uh, his YA series, um, which was called "I Shall Wear Midnight." Um, which is about a young girl who's a witch. Um, and that was also very, very good. Um, and I have I have a tendency for some... I had had that sitting on my shelf for uh, a year or so. I think it came out in 2010 or 11. Um, and I just hadn't dug down through my sort of stack of books to get to it. Um, but I have a tendency to leave books from authors I really like because I know that someday there will be no more books by those authors and then I will always have a book that I'm like, oh, wow, I could read another Terry Pratchett book. Um, wow. Yeah, I that's, know. That's I'm, incredible self-discipline because for it's me, like, my, favorite, planning. my favorite author is, is Jonathan Tropper. And whenever he has a new book out, I just read it that day that it comes out. I can't wait. Well, I, see, the thing is I, I happen to be working with a lot of people who have, like, extensive backlogs. So I didn't oh, necessarily yeah. go back and reread everything that they already wrote. Um, but I, I do tend to read almost everything that they come out with. I have two Neil Gaiman's, and I and I have actually the new. I bought the new Michael um, Chabon on the yeah, day, yeah, on the on day that it came too. out, and I haven't read it, <laughs> and I feel terrible. Yeah, he's he's very disappointed in you. <laughs> yes, I know. I apologize to Michael uh, Michael Chabon right I now. S- I saw him speak with uh, David Mitchell, and he he mentioned that he was disappointed in you, Jason. That's good. <laughs> Who? Which one, David Mitchell? Because you know both of them. I, I read the Cloud Atlas, but. But you didn't like it enough, so he was sad. It was okay. It was fine. I liked it. But he wasn't going for fine, Jason. All right. You're right. <laughs> I'm, I apologize to all writers. You should. That's good. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
Forgiven. Yeah. Not accepted. <laughs> <laughs> Any more, Dan, or is that uh I was I was casting an eye over my shoulder at my bookshelf to see if I can remember what the hell I read before that. Uh, see, because you're reading books that are made out of paper where yeah, I've, I've, I've got my yeah. Kindle, Kindle open well, sorted by I, date. <laughs> I, I hey, I jump back and forth. I, I, I read I read the uh, Jasper Ford on my Kindle. All right. Um but the other ones I read in hardcover. Um, I like hardcovers. I really, there's something about it. They're so heavy. I don't, I don't tend to buy That's as many my least paperbacks. As a, as a, I love the quality of the, uh, of the typography and stuff like that. But as a, as a, a, a commuter, I hated them because I'd be reading these books and be completely engrossed. And there was no way I was going to lug a three pound hardcover on to, uh, onto the bus. Nor if I go on a vacation, am I going to take the, that giant hardcover that I've already read 600 pages of? And there's just yeah, 100 I'll, pages I'll left. Sometimes get, I'll sometimes get a separate book to read on vacation. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say, when we left this out in our discussion of, uh, of, of e-books versus paper books, but um, the not having e-readers during takeoff and landing on the planes oh, is what kills, is what oh, kills me on the tough. Kindle. It's like I can't – I want – that's yeah. like the one time I can't do anything else. It's like I want to have my book. First off, that's complete crap. It is, of have, course, complete crap. But they're not going to – until they change the rules, which I, I know the they are talking about. Before they were really popular, I would I would just keep my e-reader on yeah. anyway. And they wouldn't know. Taking late enough, and they didn't care. They, and and they, Lex crashed seven planes that way. Yeah. <laughs> it was really bad. That. My fear has always been with the Kindle, since it when it's off, it still displays something on the screen, is that a, a stupid flight attendant will see it and say, sir, you need to turn that off. It's off! I No, no, you need to turn it off. No, it doesn't go any more off than this. But, <laughs> Smash, smash, well, smash. Actually, you you can you can turn it off, and if you buy my book, you can, you can find shut out. the screen all the uh, way off. Yeah, <laughs> I got sick of myself. Don't do that. And what are the the plus and minus of an uh, e reader for me also is the like there's no cover, so people can't see what you're reading, which can be good and can be bad. Because uh, I it reminds me I, when I was in high school, I commuted 45 minutes back and forth. And for some reason, I decided uphill. Uh, uphill. Uh, no, it, it was in New York, so I was on the subway, and, and there are no hills in New York apparently, so that is impossible. <laughs> uh, and I was reading this giant 1,100-page uh, uh, biography of Adolf Hitler called Adolf Hitler, uh, oh, and in giant print it says Adolf Hitler, and there's a giant swastika <laughs> on the cover. And it never occurred to me that perhaps this is not the best book. Yeah, just riding through the Hasidic neighborhoods, you know. You know. And, uh, and someone did. There was a problem on the train, and we all had to get off. And it was a lovely day, and I'm standing on the platform. <laughs> hey, it's a Kid Karen Hitler book. <laughs> reading this three-pound Adolf Hitler book with a giant swastika on it. And uh, someone came up to me, and they were like, why are you reading a book about Adolf Hitler? And it was a very awkward conversation. Did you say, like, it makes it really easy for me to hail a cab? <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, that's what I would have no. said. No, he didn't. Then they would have killed me. Yeah, He didn't say that. Um, I don't know. Well, I was going to say I had the same problem, except all my books had dragons on them. <laughs> that's a different sort of, that's that's a different sort of uh, abuse that you Trick get magnet. from your... No, I, yeah, it's a different sort of abuse you get from your uh, high school high school mm-hmm. classmates when you constantly carry around either books that have spaceships or dragons on them. It's true. Wow. Wow, don't the Hitler sorry, just got this turned into therapy. Sorry, you know, guys. Podcasting is therapy. Actually, there's a whole trend about how people are reading things. That's the whole Fifty Shades of Grey thing, right? Is people can can read all sorts of things they would have been embarrassed to read before, but now nobody can see what they're reading because it's just text on an e-reader. See, I find that sad because it, it gets rid of that old trick where you take the the fancy dust cover and put it around the crappy <laughs> book. <laughs> I wish I had known about that trick when I was in high school. Oh, now then you just took your comic book and you put it inside your textbook. I just put the Adolf Hitler cover over other books. It didn't work out well. <laughs> I will say, before Amazon started putting ads on the Kindle when oh. you turn them off, um, I always thought it was stupid that they didn't put the cover right there on the lock screen I, I agree of whatever you. book you were currently reading. It seems like that would make total Scott sense. will tell you how to do that now. Uh, it, buy a Kobo reader. Because <laughs> they do Or that. a real book. Kobo <laughs> does that? Kobo does do that. That's smart. Mm-hmm. Scott, what are you reading? Uh, I'm reading a book called The Islanders by Christopher Priest, who wrote The Prestige. It's about hockey? Uh, it is not about hockey. It is about a, uh, it's basically a, a travel guide to an imaginary archipelago uh, in this giant world. Uh, and it's an unreliable narrator, and it's a very interesting book. Uh, 
I would recommend. Well, I'm not done with it, so I won't recommend it. But it's good. Sounds kind of Gulliver's Travels esque. Is that like Forrest Gumpian? Exactly. It's it's Swiftian. I think is what they actually say. Ah, but, uh, that's uh, way better. Yeah. Uh, and Gulliver Travels esque. Yeah. <laughs> Scott wins. Dan Woo-hoo! loses. <laughs> now what's new? Again. Uh, before that, I read uh, a book called Three Parts Dead by Max Gladstone, which I thought was a fantastic book. It's a uh, Kind of an oh, ur- you, urban you fantasy. You raved about that on Twitter, and I favorited your tweet because I was like, "Whoa!" Scott said it was great. Uh, it was great. I liked it because it, it it was uh, set in this world where uh, there was a gods are real, uh, but they uh, had a big war and killed a bunch of they killed each other except a few survived, and people have figured out how to use the same magic that gods use, and they. Uh, it, it involves this magic and a chase, and uh, it's kind of a courtroom drama as well. It's a very strange book, uh, but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of different genres. Um, and before that, I was reading the the Captain Vorpal... I, I can never pronounce any of these names. Vorpatrol. Vorpatrol, Vorpatrol that's Patrol. all it is. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was good. Know. It was thin, and yet I loved it. I, I, yeah, I it was laughed a lot out loud. Of, it was a lot of fun. Um, I just thought eh, maybe Ivan is not a lead character. Yeah, but we'll save that for the next podcast, right? Yes. All right. And there are a bunch of other books I read, but nobody wants to hear all of these, so I won't mention it. <laughs> Jason, what are you reading? Thank you, Lex. I read a book called Osama, which won the World Fantasy Award, which is by a writer named Lavi Tidhar, or Tidhar, uh, T-I-D-H-A-R. And it, it's a strange, strange book um, about – it's sort of a, a noirish detective – who a very noticeably he's a noirish detective and he is in I want to say Laos and um, he a woman you know of course a woman comes to his office and says I need you to find this guy and it's a guy named Mike Longshot who is the author of these pulp novels these paperbacks that are about um, an alternate universe that is our universe and they're they're the Osama bin Laden series. And it's books that detail the terrorist attacks of Al Qaeda, um, but they're in this world they're fictional. And so he goes on a quest to kind of find the disreputable publisher of these hard-boiled novels about Osama bin Laden, and uh, and then tries from there to trace it back to the post office box where the writer is. He ends up at an Osama bin Laden convention where fans of the series have oh gathered to come up with all sorts of concepts and panels about this weird world that is has diverged from their own, which is our world. Um, and he ends up in Afghanistan at one point. Anyway, it's it's it was it was very strange. And I'm not sure whether I liked it or not. I, it was kind of moving in the end, and and it spent. It makes you sort of think a lot about. Um, it's using all these genre conventions to sort of talk about um, about terrorism and how terrorism is portrayed, and how, kind of strangely comparing it to the kind of things you'd see in kind of pulp fiction. Um, weird book, very weird. One, but won the World Fantasy Award over. Not just George R. R. Martin, but of course Joe Walton's, among others, which we love so much. So I thought I should read it. Um, o- Osama is the name of it, um, and yeah, I don't know whether I'd entirely recommend it or not. It's interesting. It's weird. It's it's definitely not sci-fi. It is it is uh, kind of dreamy and strange and uh, but interesting. So and, and who did you say the author was? Lavi Tidhar T I D H A R. Parts of it are, are I mean the, the the bit where he goes to the Osama bin Laden convention is crazy. It's 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 crazy. And it's and if you like noir ish stuff, like Dan might like it, I think. Mm-hmm. Because I know Dan kinda likes that stuff. I, and, I do like I do and like and, the, and it is noir. very definitely that. I mean he's a hard bitten detective and he's he you know, he's kind of drinking and smoking a lot and meeting girls in bars and asking them for information and it, this it's is all just like my life it's exactly like your life <laughs> yeah. um so anyway that osama interesting it reminds book. me of a book uh called the mirage by matt ruff in which he posits an alternate reality where uh christian fundamentalists hire uh hijack jetliners and crash them into Right, uh, right. The Tigris and Euphrates World Trade Towers and Baghdad. Right, because they're in a reverse world where the where the Americans are all kind of uh, uh, up in arms and yeah, and uh, being invaded and Christian the, and the and, yeah. exactly right. This is this is really I I haven't read that book, but I read about it and, and it struck me as being a kind of a similar premise. Absolutely, um, interesting book though. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, the other book that I read re- most recently is nonfiction. It is called The Signal and the Noise, Why So Many Predictions Fail But Some Don't by Nate Silver. You may have heard of Nate Silver because mm. he's the guy who runs 538, which correctly predicted every single state in the Electoral College in the most recent election. And his publisher made a good bet and put his book out about three weeks before the election thinking if he is successful again like he was four years ago at predicting the election people might buy his book and then i believe after the election the day after the election his book was number one on amazon so it's a great book about statistics and uh, people's gut being used instead of their heads and making bad decisions based on feeling when if you look at things dispassionately through numbers, um, you get a better outcome. He talks about not just elections and not just about baseball, although he originated with baseball stuff, sort of money ball kind of stuff, but he talks about things like weather forecasting and earthquake predictions. Um, and he really does try to cover the gamut from things that are uh, that are very predictable and things that aren't. And his section about the weather is actually fascinating because it turns out that we're much better at forecasting the weather than we were before. And we still joke about the weather man, but the level of um, accuracy that weather uh, prediction has, the fact that, that we know when these hurricanes are going to hit and with really good accuracy where they're going to hit, um, when 15, 20 years ago, we couldn't do that. Um, it, it's it's really interesting. And I think the best tidbit in the entire book is the fact that um, – uh, there's real accuracy and then there's accuracy for an audience that um, a lot of the commercial weather predictors will, if there's 15, 20% chance of rain, they'll say 50 or 75% chance of rain. And the reason is if they say 15% chance of rain and you get rained on, you're in, you're just infuriated because you got wet. So if there's even a little bit of a chance of rain, they say, yeah, it's going to rain. Because if they're wrong, you're like, oh, well, it didn't rain. I'm lucky. And if if they're, if you get rained on when you think there's no rain, you're furious at the weather people. So they just lie. They just overestimate the rain so that you're never going to be mad at them. It's, it's really cool stuff. So Nate Silver, The Signal and the Noise, I recommend it. It's a lot of fun. But it's not a novel. There's nobody. Nate Silver doesn't die at the end. Spoiler alert. That would, that would be weird he, he does. if he wrote it. We, we all die at the end, Jason. Yes, there's an earthquake and a hurricane simultaneously, and a baseball player comes and hits a home run, and that's the end of the book. That's how it ends. See, I'm, I'm so glad that I was here for this, though, because I've been deba- I've been wondering whether that book was actually going to be worth it. And on your recommendation, I shall. Order I, it's it nerdy, now. but I, I I like it. I I, um, I love the weather stuff, and and he talks about earthquakes and and uh, and and crime and all sorts of crazy stuff like that. It's a good book. He, he and I read it before the election. Because I like I, I've been reading Nate Silver for years since when he was back doing baseball stuff. So, um, I I remember him when before his site got assimilated by the New York Times. In fact, um, back in the old days before he was on the Daily Show every week. Don't be such a hipster, Jason. Yeah, I know. Ba- back true. back when books were only available in print. And print, those were the days. Back when no, I didn't read very many books because I didn't have the time. But now I read lots of books. They were so heavy. There are two reasons why I read a lot of books now. One is the Kindle, and the other is the Incomparable. Thank Aww. you, Incomparable. You're welcome, Jason. Because of the Incomparable Book Club, and we have to do more of these. We've kind of fallen down on finding agreement on what books to read. So we'll, we're going to do Captain Vorpichel next time uh, and talk about Bouchold a little bit more. I probably won't be on that Lex one. Lex <laughs> hasn't, hasn't read it. Uh, start at the beginning, Lex. Yeah, start, just, you have plenty of time. Shards read. of Honor. 14 books, and then you'll be caught up. Shard Spawner, Bariar. Let me finish uh, watching Indiana Jones. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> you still haven't watched Indiana Jones? We're giving you at least a month or two. I, I watched the first one. And Michael then he lost power all. for a while. <laughs> right. I want to finish the whole series um, by the end of the year, so it'll happen. Oh, that's good. You're just in time to watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, anyway, so so it's we'll do more we'll do more book clubs and we'll try. Uh, if you're if you're somebody who wants to read along, we have a Goodreads group, and um, if you follow the Incomparable on Twitter, we'll announce books that we're going to be reading in the future on there as well. So there will be places you can go if you'd like to follow along at home with those of us who are reading books for the Incomparable Book Club. Um, and I, I think that brings us to the end of the show. I think we've learned a lot. I've learned and grown as a person listening to the wisdom <laughs> of my three guests. Scott McNulty, I, f- I follow you for all of my Kindle and ebook reading advice. Thank you for being here. You know, I have a new book coming out December 24th, all about the Kindle Fire. Just, Just put in it time out for there. Christmas. Just in time. The perfect Christmas present. Amazing. 
get three for everyone, you know. <laughs> That's the wise words. Strong words, but never truer words have been spoken than that. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Scott McNulty. Dan Morin, do you have a book coming out that you'd like to plug? Uh, I will. <laughs> <laughs> knife wow, that's a way to, yeah, that's a way to twist the knife there. Dan and I will be releasing our novels on the incomparable press ebook <laughs> only. Ooh. in the new year, With maybe beautiful maybe. typography. Yeah, yes, yes, it will be. Well, they'll, they'll be gorgeous. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I can't promise the contents any good. But the, in fact, the paperbacks will be purely or, or poorly assembled, uh, <laughs> full of bad typography. Just to stick it to those publishers. <laughs> Man, that, we're going to take a bath on those sales. <laughs> You should print your, your paper books on 100% cotton paper. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, yeah, so no book coming out this year, but maybe next year. Maybe next year. You never know. The Incomparable Press. Maybe it'll happen. Yeah. It's, it's, but it was good to be here. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this ended on a down note for me. No. <laughs> Cheer up. <laughs> I, you, you had to have me on the show with the other two guys who have written books and actually had them published. Well, that's, that's true. Just, that's just. That's true. Lex Friedman, do you have a book that you'd like to plug? Thank you for being here. Th- thanks for having me. I will say of the of my four published books, two of you. them are ebook only, and the <laughs> other two, which I'm prouder of overall, look much worse on the Kindle because they're also illustrated. So that's that's the sad. So buy, so we should buy the Kid in the Crib and the uh, the Snuggy Sutra in paperback. I, I mean, honest, I you know I love ebooks, but those are books that I would prefer the paper version of just because they look better. I have the Kid in the Crib in paper. I don't I don't believe I have a copy of the Snuggy Sutra. Uh, you know, don't get one. I'll give you one when I see you next. Don't send me one. <laughs> I'm bringing you one. <laughs> I don't think it'll get through security. Congratulations, my office, Jason. My office is full of Snuggy Sutras. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. Well, uh, if you'd like to go to a used bookstore from the 90s and buy a copy of Providing Internet Services via the Mac OS, you can see the only book that I've ever published. Yay! Or stay tuned for the new year when Dan and I will be uh, doing the incomparable press but and publishing. Self publishing is a viable alternative. Maybe we can bu- do a bundle, Dan. Like get both yeah, of our books like, together for one low, low price. Yeah, like like we'll pay you to read them. <laughs> <laughs> it can happen. It's possible. All right, this has been great. Thanks everybody for uh, listening, and thanks to you guys again, published authors and not for being here to talk about uh, what published we're authors and Dan. <laughs> <laughs> and also thank you to Prodan Stethev or however you pronounce if that is your real name uh, for the for the uh, suggestion for this topic because I thought this was good and I was desperate for a new book club and I, I jumped on that topic because it was a good idea for suggesting the topic you win a free copy of Dan Morin's novel <laughs> uh, or the Snuggy Sutra I hear there are extras <laughs> so maybe maybe that depending on your attitude All right. Thanks for listening to The Incomparable. This is Jason Snell. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.